Never heard him talk about. And I think that we sometimes treat prayer the same way. We treat it like a spare tire. We don't think about it. We don't mention it. We don't go over it with our families until our lives has a blowout. How many here have ever had a blowout? Raise your hand. If you haven't had a blowout yet, just keep living. I can guarantee you that you will have a blowout in your life. But I tell you this, if you hang on to that spare tire, make sure that baby's ready, you don't have to worry about it at all. Amen? Now, we got to remember, we got to remember that we should go to God first in every situation. But what most of us do when a situation comes up is we become anxious about everything and praying about nothing. Isn't that kind of the wrong way? We're anxious about everything and we don't pray about anything. We don't take advantage of the privilege of being, being able to come to the foot of the cross and laying down our concerns at the master's feet. We have something that no one else in the world has. And that's the privilege of actually talking to and communicating with the, the most powerful being in the universe. He's so powerful that all he said was light be and light was. Amen. I mean, this is who we are able to talk with. He said, because that we are a chosen, we are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. He said that we're, we're a royal nation. He said the holy nation. He said that we're also his special people. Now in the old, in the old King James it says peculiar people. I think that fits us better. I don't hear no amens out there, but I know what I'm talking about. His own peculiar people. Why? So that we can proclaim, right? The gifts of being able to being drug away, taken out of the devil's darkness and his night and brought into Jesus Christ's marvelous light. We're there to proclaim that in Jesus' name. And we can do that even in prayer. Amen? We have friends and oftentimes we have things happen in our lives. We have a tendency to call our friends and we... Or we'll meet them out in the foyer and we'll tell our friends that you're going through something. You haven't prayed about it yet, but you're going to tell your friends that you're going through something. And you tell them all the gory details of what's going on. Some of it embellished. I'm not saying about in this church. I'm just saying there, there have been times I've been places where people have asked me to pray for them. And they've kind of pumped up the value just a little wee bit. It's, uh, I'm trying to get a tear out of me. I don't know what they're trying to do. But anyway, sometimes they will just come and ask for prayer. And you know what the, you know what the obligatory response of the Christian always is? Well, I, I'll pray for you. Don't we always say that? We always say, I'll pray for you. What we have to get in the habit of doing is when someone comes to us with something that's going on in their lives and they tell us what's going we should immediately go to the cross. Amen? We should immediately say, this is something that only Jesus can handle. You know what? People don't need your opinion when things are going awry. It's not good for most folks to get your opinion because I'll tell you, sometimes your opinion is incorrect. 
I know that a lot of folks go around asking, telling folks their story here, there, and everywhere, and they get opinions from everyone in the, in, in the church they can get to see what lines up. Well, I got five that says I should go this way, and I got three that should go this way, and I'll, so I'll go that way. Now, don't, don't be wrong, though. See, if you pick the one that has the most votes, and you go that direction, and something fails, guess what? They're going to come back to you, right? So don't, don't carry that burden. Don't carry anyone's burden. You're not able. You're not strong enough. Give it to the one who can carry who's bigger than anything that we could ever imagine. He said he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. So give it to the master right away. Let folks know that you're not playing around with their lives, that you're not playing around with the situation, that you're going right to the cross with this situation. And I know that Jesus will hear and answer prayer. You know, I, I, um, I remember the song we used to sing back in the old days, and and uh, I want you just to listen to the words. I'm not going to sing it because I want you running out of here before we're through. We got to remember what a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace. We often forfeit all oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We have to realize that if, it's, if it concerns you, it concerns the master. All you have to do is approach him and say, Master, I'm in the parking lot. I've got a, catch, a plane to catch, and I'm going around this parking lot. I need a space. You think that's a silly thing to ask for? All right. If your plane is getting lined up and ready to go in five minutes, I bet you'll pray. Amen. I bet you'll pray right quick. And you know something? I've tr- I tried it. I'm not telling you something. I'm just talking. I've tried. I'm in the park. I'm on that top roof and I'm going around. I said, Lord, I need a space. Boom. Pull right in. Get out. And go on down. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder if you would stand with me. Stand with me and read. First Timothy, the second chapter. You know what I found out being an old guy? I found out it's not the standing that bugs me so much. It's the getting up. Did you ever know? It's get them bones and them things getting the cracking and carrying on. People think you're keeping time with the drummer over here. You don't know. But anyway, stand and read with me, please. First Timothy, second chapter, verse one. Therefore, I exert first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead quiet and peaceable lives in, a God, in God, all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your word right now, Lord. God, I ask you to fill me with your spirit that I may rightly divide the word of truth. Father, convict us. Father, exhort us. Build us up, Father, when we're torn down. Give us that, that faith that we're losing, Father. Wash away the doubt we have, Lord God, and realize, Lord God, you will do what you say. I thank you, Father, and I praise you for each and every individual that's here right now, Lord God. If there's anything on their heart, anything on their mind, Lord, I pray that they release it and give it all to you right now in Jesus' name. Now, my Father, I'm going to step out of myself and allow you to come in and allow me to 
to, 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 to praise God and to step into John's shoes and declare your name holy. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We glorify you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to give you one more little song we used to sing. And, and it goes something like this. And you'll probably recognize it by the words. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And let a little light from heaven fill my soul. He bathed my heart in love and he wrote my name above. And just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faithful cry and he will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer wheel turning and you know a little fire is burning, just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Am I, am I right about that? That's a song. That's a song from the heart right there. Just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. And that's the topic of our, sub, of our messages tonight is just a little talk with Jesus. Amen. In the first verse of our text, Paul, the writer and the Holy Spirit, the author of our text, is power packed and, and makes and creates the first point of our message. And that first point is prayer must be a priority, not a panic button. Prayer must be a priority and not a panic button. When things come into our life, we're not supposed to get anxious and get crazy and call Tyrone. You know, our second cousin twice removed on mama's side is a paralegal for a law firm to get some law advice. We're not supposed to go down to someone and talk to them about drugs that we may need because just because they work in a drug store or uh, we before we before we call any pastor, before we call any preacher, any, any elder or even the church prayer chain. Paul says, first of all, first of all, pray. Isn't that what he says? Before we start losing our mind, we, we should first of all pray. Now, first things first, in the church house, we can't serve God without being on our knees first. I can tell you this, this praise team prays in the green room before they come out here. And when you see them come out here, sometimes you see them just, just pumping the music right away. And you think the praise and worship is the first thing, that way we start our services. But that's not where it starts. It starts in the green room with prayer, asking God to come in and be with us, to lead us and to guide us, to strengthen us. That comes before they come out here. Amen. Now. The ushers and the greeters and our security team know before they serve, they better pray. First of all, we have these people in place because they have a smile on their face every morning. They got a little pep in their step, a little pride in their stride. They know all about folk. Okay, and there's some folk that come from the church house that aren't that pleasant. I know that's surprising. But it's true. There are some folks that just don't. They're gloomy gusses. They come in. They have no reason to be mean. They have no reason to be sad. They have no reason to have their the hair come up on their back. But they come right in and they hand them. Good morning, sir. How would you like to have? Thank you. Snatch that bullet and they go in. I'm going to pray for you, Jeff. I'm going to pray for you, brother. All right. I want to make sure you're paying attention. Amen. So, yeah, we. They have to be prayed up because there are some folks they're going to run into. They realize it's going to test their faith. Amen. It's going to, it's going to test 
nobody in this room, but you know, what I'm talking. you know, what I'm talking about sometimes that, that person that sits next to you knows you very well, but don't want to even nod their head at you. They go, they, they turn around, they see the corner of their eye and they don't want to turn their head any further. Cause if I turn, he'll, I have to acknowledge that individual. I don't want, I don't want to do that. So I just praise the Lord. Say what? How can you do that? How can you, how can you sit beside someone without speaking to them? When I come to the church house, and most of you know this, I try to shake as many hands as I possibly can. I try to introduce myself to as many people as I possibly can. Craig says I'm running for mayor. That's not it. I am not running for mayor. I'm just, I just, I just like doing that, and I'll tell you why I like doing it. Because when I first came to Calvary Chapel, Tustin, when we were over on 6th Street, when I walked on to that campus, three people walked up to me and spoke to me right away and smiled and said, glad to see you. Am I right about it, Joanne? She, oh, she said I did it to her. But she, you know what I'm talking about? You, you, you just fall in love with a place when people treat you like that. So I'm saying these ushers and these, these greeters must have an attitude of gratitude because if they don't, these folks will take them out. Be careful out there. Be careful out there. I'm telling you. Amen. 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 So it stands to reason that we should pray in our house. Before we come out and drive to God's house. It just stands the reason. You know, if you can't pray in your house, at least pray on the way. It's better than arguing all the way to the church house. And then you pull up into the parking lot and you get out. of the, Brother Roberts, how you doing? Oh, bless the Lord and the power of his might. You always put that Christian grin on, you know. And you know you just got finished fighting with your wife. Come on, I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. That's okay. That's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. I don't want to know. You know who you are, right? Now, there's something else I, th- I think. This is very, very practical message, I'm telling you, right? If you're, if you're going to get on the 91, you need to pray first. That's a priority. If you're going to get on the 5 or the 15, you need to pray. If you're going to get on the 405, you got to pray and say, Lord, I hope I'm not on this 405 for 405 hours. Am I right about that? You don't want, you got to pray before... And, you know, I, I began to use because people around the church, for some reason, think I'm a speeder. I'm not really a speeder. I just drive with a purpose. There's a difference. Not much, but there's a difference. OK, so so I'm, I'm leaving the church house on Tuesday evening and I'm getting ready to get on to the 55 South. And I said, Lord, please protect me on this highway and those that are around me. That's all I said. Thank you, Jesus. That was it. Before I could actually merge into traffic, there was a person behind me who wanted to get around me. Can you imagine trying to get around? Anyway, trying to trying to get around me. Unfortunately, there was another person in the lane, occupying that lane. They were trying to trying to get into to get around me. You should have seen the swerving back and forth. But you know something? The, whoever it was got control of that vehicle. The other person in the other lane got control of that vehicle. And we began to proceed down the field. I said, praise Jesus. Praise that, that short prayer, just like that. Let me tell you something. Sometimes your prayer don't have to be a whole long line of things to say. I can remember I was on, a, on, a, on an avenue and there were cars going north and south. Two lanes parking on both sides of this avenue, and there's no way to get around it. You got a double yellow line that goes down the middle. Now, the double yellow line has authority, but has no power. You know what I'm talking about? So if another car comes towards you, it's going to come through that double yellow. 
right? And so a brother was driving his truck. I could see him. And I, could, I, I couldn't go to my right. Cars in that right. I couldn't go to my left. Head on collision. And he was easing over the double yellow line. And I said, Jesus. And just as I said that, he looked up because he wasn't paying attention. He, it was, I said, praise God. And the sweat began to, you know, and my heart began to pound like that. But I was alive. I was always pray first. Before you make a career change, pray. Before you go into that conference room or that classroom, you got to pray. Pray for before that heifer come in your office. I'm not going to say heifer because that's what Solomon said, so I can say it. For that heifer come in your office, start messing with you because she does every morning. Always pray. Lord, help me. Strengthen me because here she comes. Here he comes. And I know it's going to be a battle. But, Lord, I know there's no battle you can win. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to do just what you say. I want you to guard my mouth, Lord. I want to be able to listen and wait and then speak. I want to be slow to speak, fast to hear what's going on before I say. And then when that woman comes in that office and begins to rail you and rile you, you just sit there. I told my group one time I had a, a song I had in my heart all the time. And I had it in my heart. I was going to work. And I was in my office and I'm still singing it. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Well, I woke up this morning with my mind. Say, and I'm singing this song, see? And uh, this big guy comes into my office. Now, I know him very well. Four square, tongue-talking, bot, blood-bot Christian comes into my office and begins to rip me up one side and down the other because he said that I put a work order in, didn't apply to his people. And he's going on and on and on. Do you ever watch Peanuts, the cartoon, and the teacher always sounded like this? This is what he sounded like to me. I wasn't, I'm thinking, oh, and he's just going on. So finally, he's frustrated. He walks out of my office. He slams the door. And I'm still saying, wow, who was that? He gets to his office. He calls me on the phone. I pick up the phone. He says, Dave. I said, yeah. He said, hey, uh, you know what? You were right. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't surprised. He said, yeah. He says, and, uh, but there's one thing about our conversation. I says, what's that? Do you know if you have a conversation, you have to have two people talking? So he said conversation, but what, what it was was a rip, right? He says, uh, you never raised your voice at, while I was yelling at you. And I said, yep, you know what? I found out. He says, what's that? I said, just because you're the loudest doesn't mean you're the most correct. I dropped the mic, baby. Boom, done. Done, son. Right? But just because I had Jesus on my mind, there was no argument. I'm telling you, it works Every time prayer should be a priority, not a panic button. Before you go to the doctor's office and have tests run and before you get the answers to the test, be prayed up. If it's good news, praise God. If it's bad news, praise God, because it's not news to God. <laughs> he didn't, it didn't catch him by surprise. And you're already prayed up. So you know that God is always going to take care of those type of situations. Pray before your children become prodigals. Pray for other children that you don't even know before they become prodigals.
pray first. Get ahead of that thing. Make sure that you and God have a conversation about the things that are near and dear to your heart. I'm telling you, you got to pray for other other folks' children because they don't have anybody praying for them. You know something someone said to me one time, said, Noah, Dave, if you pray as hard about getting out of trouble as you do before you get into trouble, you wouldn't be in trouble in the first place. I said, you got to say that again. I can't, I can't catch that. What he was saying was, you got to pray hard before trouble comes. You pray hard when trouble does come, pray hard before trouble comes. There's a good chance that you won't get in trouble at all, amen? Now somebody, somebody prayed for me. Somebody prayed for I can tell you something. I know for a fact, I can remember, remember my mom on her deathbed. She was, she was racked with cancer. She had leukemia and she was skin and bone. And she told us all to get out of her room. And we all went out into the hallway. That weak, 90-pound woman was praying so hard, we could hear it through that oak door. And she said, bless my babies. Bless my, my husband. Bless my friend. She went down the line and she named her one by one. Bless them. Now she's on her, she could have been saying, Lord, save me, heal me. But that's not what she prayed for. Lord, she didn't pray for that. She prayed for her children. She wanted to make sure that God got rain on our heart to turn us around when we began to do things that weren't good in his sight. She knew that she had to pray for us. And you know something? Those prayers came true. Even though she's with the Lord right now, her prayers didn't go into empty air. Her prayers went right to the throne of God. And he saved every one of us, all eight of us in that family, just because she prayed. I think one of the problems we have sometimes is we want instantaneous results when we pray. And I went to the Father. I said, Father, I'm out here praying for folks every Sunday, and I never hear any results. I don't understand it. I know you're working in people's lives, but I would love just to see a result once in a while. Someone just come back and say, you know, my son got saved. My son got home. My daughter no longer on drugs. Whatever the situation may be, would you please just one time, just give me one I went out front the following Sunday, and I was standing by the children's building. A woman walked up to me, and she said, David. And I thought, she said like a school teacher. I was in trouble. I went, so I started checking myself, you know. What? And she said, do you know what? I said, you prayed for my brother seven years ago. Seven years. Seven is what? That's perfection. That's God's number. He said, she said, seven years ago, you prayed for my brother. Do you remember that? I said, yeah, I know. You said he had a 50-50 chance to make it through the night. And if he did make it through the night, then he'd be a vegetable from his neck down. Seven years. And she said, you know... He's well, he's walking, he's talking, he's got a job, he's taking care of him. Because God heard my prayer, I said, Jesus, I can't, I never, she has never come back through those doors. I didn't recognize her at first until she began to recount that story. I remember it so well because we're both in tears at the altar of God asking for a healing. Something that 
we know the doctors had no power over, but we know that whatever was wrong with him, we know that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and that he knew that boy before he formed him in his mother's womb, and that he could have had the power to heal him from head to toe. We had faith, we were had trust, we knew it could happen, but the woman never showed up to the church until seven years later and came and told me, and I'm just like a a nut out there bubbling and crying and crying. We're hugging. I, then the following Sunday, a woman walks up to me and she says, you know, my auntie was in stage four cancer and she wasn't expected to live. I said, yeah, I remember that. She don't have cancer anymore. Just that quickly, another Dave Landis, I was coming down the, the aisle. And Dave Landis said, remember that pastor's wife you prayed for? She had stage four cancer. I said, I remember it well. He said, she's clean. I said, what? I said, my goodness. So I said, okay, Lord, I get it. I get it. I get it. You're doing things behind the scenes. I don't have to know everything, but boy, that really built. I'm telling you, there's nothing I won't go to the Lord for. It just gave me that Knowledge and firsthand knowledge that God is still on the throne. Amen. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. Which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Boy, that's good news. I'm so glad about it. I'm so glad about it. Just trust him. Now, further in the text, we see these words to describe prayer. And it says supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. And it looks at first that there are four different types of prayer. But in actuality, it actually explains the scope of prayer. All of these things can be included in prayer. How can you pray to God at any point in time except if you say just Jesus Give thanks for that same prayer. How can you not do that? How can you not give thanks? How can you not get on your knees and intercede for someone? How could you do? How could you get on your knees and, and know things are going wrong with your crazy kids and you can't say, Lord, help them, intercede for them? I got a friend who's got two boys and he calls them the sons of thunder. And he said they're always out doing whatever they want to do. I'm praying for them. Them boys don't come through that door saved. I'm not doubting it at all. The Holy Spirit said we should pray for all. Isn't that right? What did I say? Pray for all. Uh, to make sure that God, make sure that we understood what God had to say about all and the definition of all. He tells the church that we should pray for those in authority over us. Now, when we first pray, when we first read this, we think that's a specific demand that God made for us to pray for those who have, or have authority over us. That's not all it's showing us. I think it's also showing us that all means all. So from your baby to the person who's in authority over you. Listen to how strong that statement is. In that time, Nero was the emperor of Rome. And he was a horrid creature. Now, there was a Roman historian, a historian named Tacitus. And he made these statements about Christians under Nero. Just to give you some idea of what the Holy Spirit was asking folks to do. 
in their very deaths, he's talking about Christians, they were made the subjects of sport. They were covered with the hides of wild beasts and worried to death by dogs or nailed to crosses or set fire to. And when the day waned, burned to serve for the evening lights. This is Nero. And the Holy Spirit said, pray for that joker. I'm telling you this right now. All means all. All means all. And this brings me to my second point. We need to pray for the just and the unjust alike. We have a habit of praying for those within our circle, within our church group, within our uh, study group, within our families. We pray for those folks, and we should do that. That's very, very important. As a church, we need to pray and hold up one another in prayer. Amen? We should do that. God has commanded his people to pray for this ruthless dictator. When we pray... We got to pray for those in authority over us as well, especially especially those that are on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. To get a little closer to your situation, you may have a dictator on your job. Amen. How many how many have ever had? Unless your boss is in the room, don't raise your hand. <laughs> oh, I've had some dictators in my time, and I'm telling you, I didn't think to pray for them, not in a good way. Lord, hold him back, because if you don't, the old man's going to... Re- no, see, that was a wrong, that was wrong prayer right there. And that, that dictator just kept on, kept on coming, kept on coming. You may have a dictator in your house. Help me, somebody. Don't, don't look around. Don't nudge anybody. Don't do that. You, you, she, she may be a dictator, or he may be a dictator, or all those little curtain crushers you got might be dictators in your house, telling you when to come and when to go. Mommy, I need this. Daddy, I need that. You know them dictators. They got, they, they got to pray for them dictators. And if you're in your house and you're looking at your spouse and you're saying, my spouse isn't a dictator, then maybe you got to look within. You might. <laughs> That's when you pray, Lord, search and research my heart. If you find any wicked way in me, lead me in the way of everlasting. Amen. That's what your prayer should be right when you look at your family and there's no other dictators in that house. It might be you. Amen. We got to pray for our in-laws, outlaws. We gotta pray for preachers, pastors, right? Praise teams, elders, and everyone in our local church. That's very important that we pray for those folks. We need to pray for politicians, pimps, and prostitutes. Uh oh. Now, some would say all three of those right there are all one and the same. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying some would say politicians and pimps and prostitutes are all the same. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying pray for them, for the just. And for your unjust alike. Amen? Now, one of the things that Christians have to be careful about, and, and, and not, in this, not in this body so much, because I think this body is a lot better than, than some that I've experienced in my uh, 40-something years of life. <clears throat> I say it's 40-something. Amen? And that is the way some 
Christians will look at a person who is who doesn't look like us, doesn't smell like us, doesn't smile like us, doesn't work like us, can't recite the 23rd Psalm like us, doesn't read the Bible like us, doesn't have a Bible, but they've come through their front door seeking Jesus because they're lost. Christians have a tendency to say, Boy, you got to go home and clean up a little bit, stop smoking and drinking, and then come on back and we'll check you out once more and again. That's not, that, that is not the requirement in God's church. That is not a requirement in this church. We don't clean anybody up. Jesus Christ is the one that cleans everybody up. You think, you think that because, not you, some folk think, that because they come to church four days a week makes them righteous. Some folks think that because they tithe, it makes them righteous. Some folks think because they sing the loudest and wave the most and shout the most and clap their hands the most makes them righteous. That is not what makes us righteous. Nothing but the blood of Jesus makes us righteous. They even wrote a song about it. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That was just a little, little help, helpful tip right there. Don't, we got to pray for the just and the unjust alike. I found something that has really, as an elder in this church, I have found that when I pray for someone, oftentimes, oftentimes, I'm filled with joy more so than the person I'm praying for. And I get a little excited. I can't help it. That's just the way I am. Because I know there's nothing too big for my God. So when someone comes up and says, Dave, I need you to pray for that, 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 that. I said, first of all, we need to be in agreement. I believe God can fix it. What do you say? Remember when Jesus asked the blind, said, said, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see. It would seem pretty obvious. The lame man. He said, what would you have me do for you? Well, I, 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 I come down to the pool every time and, I, and, then, and someone gets in front of me before the angel can start to walk I can get in. He, he didn't ask him that. He said, what do you want to do? You want to walk again? That was the question. When folks come up to pray, they got to realize that they got to come up here with a purpose and trust God that he's going to do what he says. If you don't, your prayers are going to be higher than the ceiling. I'm telling you, you got to believe what God says he's going to do. If we intercede for those who are in authority over us, the Bible says we'll live quiet and peaceable lives. Now, the quiet refers to the inner self, right? And the peaceable is about things that are external to us. And that reminds me of an of a, of a incident that happened in my car. We're driving. A lot of us in the family were in the car. And my little, my little grandson, who's seven now, but he was only four then. He was in his car seat, and he's trying to get a little nap. And we're yakking and talking, and the, and the radio's up real loud, and we're flying down the freeway. Literally not flying. I mean, figuratively flying. We weren't flying. We were going at a good rate of speed. And so I was driving. So anyway, going to the freeway, he says, I need peace and quiet. 
not peace and noise. I went, wow, that was pretty profound for a four-year-old. Because he had peace within, but we were making too much noise without. He said, pipe down, basically. So we all got real quiet. I turned the radio down. I'm thinking, my goodness gracious. Yeah, uh, you just got to have that. You're going to get that as a gift just for interceding. For, just for saying, going to the Lord and say, please protect those that are in authority over us. The mayor, right? The president of the United States. The Congress people that come. The, the Supreme Court. Everyone is in authority over us. The chief of police. The dog catcher for crying out loud. Everybody we should be praying for because they have authority over us in some form or fashion. And God said, if you do that, I'm going to give you peace. Right? Now, I got to say this one. I got to say one thing. A lot of folks don't pray with earnest. With earnest. They just pray just to be praying. Do you ever wonder somebody that prays just to hear themselves pray? Don't mention a thing about what you asked them to pray for. They got this system that they use, and they and they and they pray that, and that's what they. I'm concerned about that because when we pray, we should be praying for the situations at hand and pray that everything will be all right. Now, the third and the fourth verse also says that prayer that is. Is like this is good and acceptable in the sight of God and fulfills God's desire for the salvation of all. When we pray, it's good for our prayers to be lined up with what God wants. It's good to be praying what God says is His will. Right? It's no good to be praying for things that are selfish. No good for praying for things that you know good and well you don't deserve. And you're always praying. For yourself. James 4 3 says, You ask not and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasure. There are still folks that before they lay their head down on the pillow, they pray, Lord, I pray that those lottery numbers come in. Oh, I know they do. I know they pray. If folks don't pray for nothing else, they pray for that lottery number to come in. Before they headed the pillow, I can remember when I was a little kid, I used to say this prayer before I went to bed. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. How many ever prayed that prayer? You know what? When I began to understand what the, really, what the words really meant, I said, I might die before I wake? <laughs> what up? <laughs> I, I don't get that part, right? I don't understand it. And I began to... I began to get the, the little shivery when I prayed that prayer. But I, but I had a feeling that God had me in his hands. It didn't worry me that much. But you know something? We shouldn't be praying that same prayer right now because we're grown. We prayed that when we were kids. He said we put away childish things. Not that it's not a good prayer. Don't get me wrong. It's a good prayer. But I think we should get a little deeper than that before our head hits the pillow. Some of us are still reciting the Lord's Prayer before our head hits the pillow. Some of us are saying, oh, Jesus, before our head hits the pillow. That's, that's all we do. But I'm saying you got to pray. And if you pray for all the things that we talked about tonight, you will fulfill the command to pray without ceasing. If you think you have a hard time, who am I going to pray for? My goodness, I just gave you a bunch of, and probably people you didn't think about. Like who thought about praying for your pharmacist and also praying for that drug dealer? Oh, are they one of the all? 
Absolutely. we got to know that there are things around us that affect all of us in some form or fashion. God says, pray. You want to have a good and peaceable life, I'm sure. And if you do that, I can guarantee this will be happening for us. Now, I can, I'm, I'm thinking back to the, but I'm, I'm going back and forth. I'm thinking about the, uh, about the church when Timothy read Paul's letter about praying for those in authority over us. And how Nero was such a hard case. I, I, I can imagine. I can just, Laura, I can just imagine the front row saying, say what? Right? And in the Greek, the translation would be, say what? You know, but we have to think about that as well. When we pray for these people that we think are not worthy to be prayed for, you got another thing coming. You got to pray for those folks. You gotta pray for all those people, right? The pharmacist and the street pharmacist. Somebody say amen. Nobody wants to say amen because they say, I don't want to let them know I've been doing that stuff. No, I know. That's all right. Now, 1 John 5.14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. I'm gonna wrap this up real quick. There are some things that we know that kind of hinder our prayer. And I'm just going to run through them very, very quickly. Personal sin. Strange, strange relationship between husband and wife. Husbands, you got to get it right. Because if you and your wife are struggling and just arguing back and forth all the time, if you're the, supposed to be the spiritual leader of your household and you're praying for that family, your prayers are hitting the ceiling. They're not going any further. Give me an example. My wife is upstairs. It's 9 o'clock at night. My mother-in-law has finally settled down. It was like 9.30. About finally settled down. She, my, my mother-in-law has Alzheimer's, and she also has a repaired hip. So she's not supposed to get out of the bed and stand. But she will try every once in a while. And she falls. Okay? So once my wife gets her mother in bed and settled, the house has to be quiet. I'm coming back from Epic. I'm revved up. I come in the house, and I see... Good food in the refrigerator. I said, wow, this is great. So I take the stuff off the refrigerator, slam the refrigerator door, go over to the, get a plate out, ting, ting, slam the covered door. After I get the, get the, get into the, get the silverware out, I put it on the plate and I put it in the microwave oven. How many got a quiet microwave oven? Raise your hand. Who's got that door that don't make no noise? That's what I thought. I, I put that thing in there, bam, I slammed that microwave oven. I'm walking around, I'm saying, praise Jesus. I'm just, you know, I'm going back and forth and, 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 and then beep, the thing goes off. You know, sometimes it beeps two or three times, and if you don't get it, it beeps two or three times more. If you don't get it, it brings, it, well, you know the story. So I went to the bathroom, the thing's in here beeping like crazy. I come back out, I hit the, the button to silence it, I take my food out, and I slam the door again. I got a text. My wife said, are you mad? (laughs) And if you are, why? Is there anything that I can help you with? (laughs) So I said, ooh. I felt a chill, you know, in the room. I said, ooh. Now, my response was, this is the old man in me. My response was going to be, honey, you slammed the microwave oven also. But see, that's wrong. That's wrong. The Lord caught me and said, you better, you better act right, boy. And I, he don't talk like that, but you know what I'm saying. So I, I said, sorry, 
not mad, won't happen again. Huh? Happy wife, happy life. Is that, am I right about it? Shoot. And I, we've been married a long time and I'm still learning, right? Don't pick a fight with somebody who can whoop you. <laughs> that don't make any sense. I said, what am I thinking? So anyway, we got to make sure we have that relationship down pat. We, any unreconciled wrongs or debts between you and somebody else, get those babies fixed up, right? And don't have an unforgiving, bitter spirit. You know, it's, it's, it's good enough, it's bad enough, I should say, for someone to do something against you for no apparent reason. But it's even worse when you come back against them in revenge. You want God to take him out secretly. He said, boy, if that woman makes one more look at me when I'm in church, it's going to be me and her. Lord, take her out. Send her down there to the Lutheran church. I don't want her up here no more. I never prayed that prayer. I'm just saying some folks might have said that. An unforgiving spirit, Matthew 18, 21, 22. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? He's bragging. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but to seven times seven. I know that knocked him for a loop right there. We got to realize when we forgive someone, we really truly forgive them. We're not just saying the words. We forgive. Know the best way to show that you forgive someone? Do something kind for them. That'll, that'll, it said, the Bible says it's like heaping coals upon their head. Someone who's, you know, against you and you turn around and, and, and help them with something. Give them a gift card to go down to Penis Bistro, something like that. I said, that's out of the blue. Say, brother, I like you. You know, I just want to make sure you get fed. You know, something like that. And he'll say, oh, whoa. <laughs> and he'll go on down and eat that food. I can guarantee you that. And he'll stay off you. But anyway, we got to remember that. When this church needs to pray. Our hearts have to be right with God. One of the parts of the of the uh, um, uh, armor that we wear is the breastplate of righteousness. You can't put on the breastplate of righteousness if you're not in right relationship with the Father. You can't be in right relationship with the Father unless you're in right relationship with your brother and your sister. Does that make sense? God's not going to honor your babble as you pray and you got something against somebody else right in the church house. Amen? Okay, now, this is what we got to remember. If the local church stops praying, things begin to eat. The power in the church is no longer much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. What? I'm going to wrap it up. I'm like a Baptist preacher. I'm going to finally come to Laura saying, please, I'm getting tired. i got to get home. One last thought. <laughs> when trouble comes, we shouldn't be so fast to ask God how or when to get out of this trouble. But we need to ask God, what can we get out of? Of this trouble. There's sometimes God is trying to teach us something while we're going through some sort of tribulation. And if it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you, ask the one that knows everything. Your brother don't know. Your mother don't know. Your sister don't know. Your church folks don't know. You got to ask the one who knows everything. 
This is really, really important for us to realize this. There's going to come a time. This is found in Isaiah 65, 24. It shall come to pass that before they call, that's us. And he says, I will answer. Isn't that amazing? Before we call, he'll answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for allowing us to divide your word of truth. Lord God, I know you could have chosen anyone. Father, you allowed a donkey to speak. So we're privileged, Father, and we're grateful that you allow us to speak your word tonight. Bless these ones that are hearers of your word. And I pray, Lord God, they aren't just hearers of your word, but they be doers as well. Father, increase me in my prayer life, Father. I want to pray every moment. I want to pray without ceasing, just as you demand. We thank you, Lord God, for this time. I ask you, Lord God, for traveling grace for each one in this room. And all those that are around them, Father, I ask you to give them traveling grace. Protect them, Father, on every side. Build a hedge of protection around their homes, I do pray. Father, I ask you to protect them from the wicked one and the wicked ones that are out in the street, Father. That we pray for them as well so we can turn their lives around. Lord God, there are some in our families that that seem to be totally lost. We know, Father, there's nothing too big for you. There's nothing too hard for you, Lord God. So those ones in our family, in our direct immediate family who don't know you, praise God. I I thank you that there, there will come a time when someone will come to them and tell them about the life saving of Jesus Christ. They could come crying, what must I do to be saved? I pray, praise you right now, Father, because I know that you'll do just that. I know, Father, these prodigals will come home. I know, Father, that wife that's run off will come home. My husband who has given up will come home. I pray, Lord God, that if there's anyone in this room that has odd against one another, they right now, Father, forgive one another, love one another, pray for one another. We thank you, Lord. We give you honor and we give you glory. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.